2: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Podcast Horseman. Back in the 20s, we reviewed a very famous
0: team. Welcome, indeed, to Podcast Horseman, the BoJack Horseman podcast, a spoiler-free episode-by-episode audio review podcast of the critically acclaimed Netflix series BoJack Horseman. I'm a socially distanced Michael Hamflet. And I'm a socially distanced Adam Nicholas, here to bring you
2: your weekly dose, Michael, of mm. Podcast Horseman. What a good little pair of lads we are. But no matter whether we're good or bad, you can still call us the front of the plane because we are all business to begin with. If you like this podcast, please follow it on Twitter or Instagram at Podcast Horseman. You can also follow either of your hosts on Twitter. You can find me at It's Adam Nicholas. Or if you'd like to talk to my lovely friend and co-host, Michael Humphlett, you can find him at
0: Michael Hamford, and don't always worry when you tee up like that as well. I can't help thinking every time you do that intro now. When we first started doing this, planes were a thing and people flew that. I'm worried that we've been doing this long enough that nobody gets that reference anymore. The world has changed so irreversibly oh. in the time since we started this podcast. I want people to fly planes so they remember that the business <laughs> is at the beginning. Like, I need, if I need people to get that reference again.
2: If I was a bubble, Michael, you've just burst me, so there you go
0: <laughs> Well look, if anybody wants to get back inside the Podcast Horseman bubble they can do so through Apple Podcasts where you can subscribe, we would love you to subscribe, it's one of the things that helps us get up with the charts along with all the five star reviews that we'll plug in a second you can also follow along on Spotify you can listen on Acast, you can listen on Stitcher, pretty much anywhere you get your podcasts including on the app Podcast Horseman Twitter feed where a new podcast will appear there every Friday morning for your listening pleasure, um, as we said if you want to subscribe on our podcast or follow along on Spotify, that's great, it helps us appear in the rankings and if you'd like to leave us a five star review with a little comment there it can be nasty it can be horrible or it can be nice if you wish along with a five star review you may find yourself inducted into the Hollywood Talk of Fame another inductee coming later in the show Indeed words Michael ha who
2: what are they good for absolutely everything and speaking of which <laughs> I've got a few more for you in the synopsis for this week's episode of podcast Horseman and Bojack Horseman season 2 episode 10 and this episode is called yes And Todd gets sucked into the cult of improv comedy. Wanda thinks Diane is a bad influence on Bojack when he has to deal with a career crisis. Try and beat that.
0: I didn't get in the way of your piece before there because I was trying to do good improv and not travel any lines. I was just waiting for it. (laughs) War, yes, and. (laughs) Yes, and. But indeed... This is a big one in the fact that it's actually a precursor to the big one. We learned from season one that awful things are afoot as we start to reach the end of a season, but this almost tees up the awful things are to come. Um, and it starts with an awful thing off the back of last week's episode. A beautiful sunrise uh, launches behind Bojack's house, but is broken up by the sound of Diane snoring by his pool. She is there in dressing gown and pyjamas. Um, and Bojack has stood over her, Uh, noting that she's been there quite a while at this point. Wanda outright says that she's outstayed her welcome. There's open cynicism in her tone to Diane's presence. Um, She's also surrounded by beer bottles and a bong. There is the implication that that's pretty much been her entire life ever since. Um, Todd bursts into the shot, asking poor Jack if he'll buy and fly a kite with him. Um, But Wanda says, but Wanda replies straight away with, some of us have jobs, not all of us, just some of us point in that remark in diane's direction um todd however believes that's a hint towards him so he immediately remembers that he has a job uh, he disappears off to the set of hsac wdtk only to reminded by jd salinger that he was fired of course from that job last week not Given the business, which he believes was given time to take a sabbatical, it was J.D. Salinger giving him the business that old-fashioned way. Uh, From there, he asks Mr. Peanut Butter on the set to fly a kite. Peanut Butter is too busy because, in his own words, he's got to put his suit on, he's got to do hair and makeup, he's got to record the show, and then he's got to take his suit off. It is a hard life being the presenter of a game show in the Hollywood. Uh, So, utterly miserable, Todd finds himself walking the street and he, is about to be swept up in the world of Scientology. He sees one of them posters which are designed to capture miserable people walking alone on the street, until a man outside of a club called Shenanigags asks if he's ever thought on about improv. Uh, The guy does a pretty lame bit about eating ice cream on Mars. But this completely blows Todd's mind. Tom notes that the only limit is my imagination and is completely won over by this while still holding the improvised ice cream. Um, He's all in on this. Obviously, Scientology is just but a flutter in the wind at this point. He's ready to be ready to get into improv, ready to go at the shenanigans. And he asks the uh, improv guy um, if he can take food in with him, getting in on the improv, getting on the bit. And the improv guy says, "Uh, No, you can't. Uh, All stone faced, all serious. Uh, I should point out it's a free class. Uh, because Todd would soon find out that it is absolutely not that. But that's where we hit the credits, an A and a B plot very well set up there.
2: Of course. We should all know at this point that there is no such thing as a free ice cream, Michael. (laughs) I wish there was, but unfortunately there's not.
0: Yeah, it's uh, quite appreciated. Obviously, we're going to get to Todd in a bit, as we normally do, following on from this episode. But I quite admired and appreciated how, within the cold open yet again, it's the majority of the episode being laid out. There are other things to come, and we will get onto them after we talk in depth about Bojack's story. But this is furthering what's happened over the course of series two, where the universe is now so structurally sound that you can pretty much have any of the main cast of characters dip in and out of the show, or dip in and out of the scene, should I say and set up what's gonna be happening for the entirety of the rest of the episode. It was mastered, I would say, in the uh, in the build up with J.D. Salinger in the director's room and everybody having something by the end of those credits. But they near as damn it did it again in this one as well. And I just continue to appreciate the craft of us only being in the 10th episode of series two of a six season show and they've already mastered this. It's also interesting that they lean quite hard on Wanda's distaste for Diane's mm. current state of affairs because she, and we've kind of re- referred to this on other podcasts. She doesn't know Diane like we know Diane, so you have to try and sympathise with where Wanda's coming from, as nothing more than Bojack's girlfriend and a late arrival to this dynamic.
2: Well, she only has a ver- she has what like a very weird version of Diane, doesn't she? Because she mm. only has what she's heard from Bojack and what she's seen. And every time we've been shown those two interacting in this show so far, it's been negative, hasn't it? Because yeah. Diane is always the one who Wanda's like, oh, that's a bit of a like a killjoy thing to say. Oh, that's a bit mm. of a. Why is she being like that? Oh, your friend seems a bit negative. Like those moments have happened time and time again. We got the added thing in the episode where it was the launch of uh, Hollywood stars and celebrities. What do they know? Did they know things? Let's find out. Where mm. um she was basically discovered about the kiss between the two yes. of them, yep. and that is obviously heavy on her mind. This is a terrible time for Diane to drop into their world right now, especially after she was just complaining in the last episode that Bojack had a bunch of people around at the house and didn't even bother to ask her.
0: Mm, it's that's You make a good point, especially about the kiss as well. That mm. hanging in the air now is far from just oh, isn't she, she's answered a picnic. She's your miserable friend. She's not, Diana's previously, like, tried to offer caution and concern for Bojack's good, yeah. whereas now she offers, she, she represents something entirely different and Wanda yeah. is exposed quite to the raw side of that. Um, We will have to come back to that because the episode opens proper with a scene from Secretariat, which we know has already flown off the rails, but it is, I would like liken it to a Dangerous Minds type scene where Secretariat is <laughs> for some reason <laughs> teaching a class of... Uh, I'd say teenage or early 20s street thugs, where he says, guns can blow Vato away, but calculus can blow a mind away. And the kids are all shocked and pff, mind blown, as it were. The boom mic falls into shot. <clears throat> we hear the angry sound of a cut from a director, followed by, we got it. <laughs> so again, <laughs> the implication is that the quality control has gone up a cliff since, of course, Lenny Turtletop fired Kelsey last week. Um, the director follows up with that's the day everyone and we learn the director is abe de catfish a guy that looks every bit the flying replacement for kelsey from lenny tilltop somebody that appears and speaks like he was a very cheap studio replacement a guy that won't ask questions a guy that won't cause trouble a guy that will get the movie made for the money that they want to spend on it and not a penny more uh bojack even questions if they should get another take for safety if they should go again um the assistant, who we, of course, saw in the very beginning of season two, episode one, where her face uh, was lost to, yeah, to the great studio fire, even pops in there uh, to say, I'm supposed to tell you that the boom mic just fell into shot, but uh, he just still can't be arsed. He just says, we'll fix it in post. We'll fix absolutely everything in post.
2: Now, Michael, in a world where we've already complained a lot about the men in this show, we should give Deborah her proper name Deborah. at this point. She may not have a face, Michael, but she does have a name. In fact, she does have a face now as well, because it's the first time we get to see that reveal.
0: My apologies, and I have proven myself as big a hack as Abe de Catfish. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Indeed, he just says, you know, this is, I I want to be Abe de Catfish now. Nicholas, can we just fix that in post, please? Can we just fix that in post? Because he (laughs) offers to fix everything in post. He he clearly doesn't care. Um, He admits to Bojack, he doesn't even know the story of Secretariat. But he just says, oh, if we all get done, we'll all get paid. Everybody's (laughs) happy. Um, Bojack is unusually disgruntled about this goes back to his trailer and uh, Princess Caroline is there under a cover of darkness uh, telling him to shut his stupid idiot mouth before kissing up to him as her favourite client which is a nice moment of how all those performers are in Hollywood by the people that need them to make their money um,
2: it feels like you trying to ask me to do this podcast way back in the day that's
0: it <laughs> <laughs> Nicholas your stupid idiot face come here look I really value your opinions on podcasts and he, um, Yeah. yeah <laughs> He's been asked by Princess Carolyn here if uh, she would, if he would hypothetically go with her if she was to leave vigor. Of course, that uh, follows on from a storyline with Rudy Baker last week where he wanted to go into business with her. We will touch on their relationship slightly afterwards. Bojack says yes, um, but he, re- he reckons that, yeah, the movie will sink him anyway, so it doesn't really matter. He's not going to have a career after this. He makes a point to say, because I should point out that uh, Abe de Catfish did invite him over for dinner, despite noting that he didn't really give a toss about the film, uh, to which Bojack kind of says to Princess Carolyn, yeah, he's a good guy, a total hack, but he's a good guy. So he's got very little respect for his craft. Um, but Princess Carolyn tells him not to worry. Um, there's a playwright in New York called Jill Pill that wants uh, BoJack for an off-Broadway show. Um, as BoJack points out, uh, New York's a great city to live in for six months and not a second longer, and if you're insanely wealthy, I can't wait. So he's dead keen on six months in New York. Um, before we go to the dinner at Abe de Catfish, what do we make of his first moments in Bojack Horseman as a show and his impact on the film?
2: Abe the Catfish is a hack. He's not wrong about <laughs> Bojack. And it's ironic that we end up getting Abe the Catfish come in and and I guess just hit us with the Herb Kazars approach, really. Mm. Uh, the parallels there are definitely notable. And normally why you think Bojack might have been more at home in that scenario, he's not at all because he's had this breakthrough. If you think about what happened with Kelsey in the last time round, she gives him that lovely moment where kind of breaks him up a bit, he ends up crying, the genuinely giving some praise for doing the job. He has that taken away from him and he's replaced by Abe the Catfish, of all people. <laughs> yeah. A man who's standing there in a gone fishing hat, which couldn't summarise his attitude towards this film anymore, Michael <laughs> Hamlet, if it's right.
0: It's, I think it's interesting that Bojack laboured on saying what a good guy he was because that felt very much like he was still thinking of Herb and he's fresh off Not just Herb's funeral, but fresh off the fact that the last time they interacted was absolutely hideous. It was absolutely toxic. We're going to touch a little bit on Bojack's fractious relationship with network executives. It traces all the way back to his broken relationship with Herb. And it just, even in that room with Princess Carolyn, with with Abe long out of earshot, it was as if he was trying to protect him a little bit. He was trying to say, you can be both. You can be a hack writer, but you can be a nice guy. And was he trying to like push down some of that guilt that he'll feel about Herb's death pretty much for the rest of his life. Um, It doesn't last all that long because he's completely misread his relationship with him. Bojack and Wanda are having dinner with Mr and Mrs to Catfish. Um, But Bojack notes because of the talk about the play that he's going to do in New York, and he says he's just looking forward to working on something good, uh, which immediately, immediately brings the hackles up on Abe and his wife, who we don't yet then know the name of. Uh, I was going to say... We do. Miss, Mrs. The Catfish. Mrs. The Catfish. I was going to say on their backs, but I'm not sure if catfish have backs or not. Um, but then Bojack doubles down, as usual, completely misreads the room, uh, says, how oh, the film is a piece of sh-. Uh, He's badly getting this wrong, to the point where even Wanda can see it, but there's nothing you can do about it. Um... Mrs. The Catfish asks, oh, Wanda, can you come out with the desserts? Is that real old-fashioned? Because she's obviously an older woman. There's the old-fashioned, come on, the men are talking, let's it's go kinda, to that yeah. kitchen. Which Wanda has a problem with, but Mrs. The Catfish doesn't. That shows their kind of, like, generational gap. Um, Abe turns sharply. Um, as soon as he has clocked on what's happening here, Bojack has misunderstood the sort of situation entirely. Uh, he notes how, uh, well, I'm not sure that we're going to be done in six months. There's going to be a ton of reshoots. Um, Bojack continues to misjudge his comfort levels with Abe, who crawls across the table, as I guess catfish would, knocking everything over in process, threatening basically to make things extremely, extremely difficult for him. Um, It is a problem that Bojack has made for himself, but there is an exploration here of Abe the Catfish's completely, like, his own misunderstanding of the literal, and for a film director, because obviously he said, oh, what we're making it... Earlier on, he says, we're not making Casablanca, um, to which Bojack has assumed, rightfully, that what he means is we're not making a great piece of art. No, no, no. If the catfish meant we're literally not making Casablanca. he doesn't understand this. And this man is experienced, rich, and in charge of a major motion picture in Hollywood. We are back again to people in positions that they simply shouldn't have because of their gender. Whilst his wife is sent off to the kitchen.
2: The once again, Michael, these two blokes here are thick. <laughs> These two blokes are thick. They're in they're in nice positions in Hollywood, perhaps. Abe the Catfish has no gauge on the literal at all. <laughs> like that is I mean that in itself is is a whole thing. However, even if Abe the Catfish did have a gauge on that sort of thing and was indeed sort of suggesting you know like yeah you know we're just getting it in the can that's what we're here to do. Who goes to someone's house and says well I'm just making a piece of sh out aren't Hey buddy like. It's a bad read from Bojack across the board, regardless of whether he meant that literally or not. So you just got one stupid horse talking to one stupid catfish. And ultimately, <laughs> I mean, Michael, what else did you expect? A horse and a catfish aren't supposed to talk to each other. That's just never happened before in the history of ever. So this was always going to end disastrously. And the fact that they've sent the most intelligent woman into the kitchen along with Abe the Catfish's wife, who I can't really comment on the intelligence of because she doesn't really get enough words in during lunch or dinner, whatever it is. This is this is very symptomatic of the show.
0: She's not given agency by her own husband to get a word in, really. As, as you say, the owl, the wisest character in the room, is taken away. Um... Michael,
2: sorry, just before I forget this, because this has just popped into my head. If In the kitchen, what have we got in the kitchen? We've got Wanda, mm-hmm. and she's with a fish.
0: Oh, there it is! We were looking for our fish called Wanda.
2: We were looking for a fish called Wanda. It's not quite there, but it's pretty damn close. And we
0: found, and we found it, and it's in it's fact, in the kitchen. It's in the kitchen where the men of Hollywood believe all the women should be.
2: No, the fish a fish did call Wanda into the kitchen. Oh, oh there we go. A fish called Wanda. Oh my goodness! in the kitchen. Well. This has been Podcast Horseman. Uh, <laughs> thank you for your time. We're not going to top that this week. So <laughs> <laughs> we got our goddamn fish called Wonder joke
0: and what would prove to be what the fuck? <laughs> Um Yeah, this leads to quite a big row between Bojack and his far wiser girlfriend. Um, he knows that she didn't want to go to New York, so there's a passive aggression for him suggesting that she was glad that that all played out like it did, which wonder for all her kind of open disdain for the idea probably would have gone along with her to believe that she probably would have gone for Bojack even if she didn't want to go for her own career. Um, he suggests that she's just happy now that they won't. Um, while Diane, who is now sulking in uh, in Bojack's place, just advises him to sulk some more instead. Um, like that's going to fix all of his problems, which doesn't do anything for obviously Wanda's growing disdain for Diane. Um, she notes that she's been drinking herself to sleep on his deck chairs, such as the state of her life at the moment. Yet again, Todd bursts in, uh, off the back of the cold open that we saw him learning improv. He turns all of their suggestions of him just stopping improv-ing into a bit of improv. In this case, about a fart-powered car at a stop sign. <laughs> uh, he talks. He, he starts speaking about reaching new levels of clarity on the main stage with the chosen ones in a way that sounds extremely cult-like Diane outwardly says it. He says, I think you joined a cult. Uh, in, def- in trying to defend why it's not a cult, he makes it sound even more like a cult. But Jack flies in to say quite explicitly uh, that he says, I learned a little bit about cults when I was in Scientology. And I read a book about cults. <laughs> so it's a, it was a, there was a lovely meta gag here yeah. that all the characters were talking about improv, not talking about Scientology, which is obviously a wonderful joke. For those who may not be aware, there tends to be a thing in hollywood where there's almost a cabal uh, of scientologists actors and directors and other people in power that put a thumb on scientology as a subject being mocked and this is a brilliant way to mock it while suggesting that you are literally not i believe it was south park that one of the first ones to hit yeah. that on its nest and south park is Matt and Trey are so brave that they just they will take on anyone and anything and kind of got through that but it was a lesson almost anybody that didn't want to rock the boat to indeed not rock the boat and this is such an elegant way for Bojack Horseman being Bojack Horseman to do just that Um, Diane before they kind of are left to linger on this reference to Scientology simply notes that well why does anything matter anyway love is an illusion happiness is fleeting and all your favorite musicians beat their wives allegedly, which is the second meta-reference in a row to so obviously something that nobody really wants to talk about in the entertainment field. They've done two gags back-to-back. Um, a powerhouse of a Bojack Horseman assessing Hollywood scene before Wonder the literal Hollywood assessor within the scene, uh, asks Bojack, asked Bojack to talk to Diane, to try and talk some sense in it, um, which Todd then turns into an improv about a Nazi Kardashian, which is the extremes oh. of Bojack, ending... What was a truly remarkable bit of writing, a great bit of dialogue, a wonderful bit of direction that, again, brought the majority of all the characters together to make several hugely cogent points. Loved this. Loved this so much. Oh,
2: I mean, everything about this, the fact that this is just a three-way, fast-paced conversation. Like, the amount of ground they cover in there, though, even though Diane's in a terrible place and is obviously just... She's in a terrible place and at her most, like, let's pick out all the bad in the world. And let's, let's not forget, she's just coming off the back of having her arse kicked, really, from both terrible scenes over in Cordovia. And prior to that, she spent all the time fighting against lit- the literal media. And the whole thing that she's been through, it's no wonder she's sat in a bit of a depression right now, not wanting to engage in the world. Her self-esteem and sort of outlook on life has been completely and utterly beaten up, mostly by men, let's be honest. They've completely destroyed Diane's happiness at this point. And Bojack, again, the Scientology stuff's great as well because it ties back perfectly to Todd literally being stood. We were shown the visual, weren't we? Scientology <laughs> to the left, improv to the right, but ultimately it's the same thing. That's what they're getting at. This this is a metaphor for Scientology. <laughs> Brilliant. Love this. And Todd's chucking <laughs> Todd's chucking in a random improv. So badly readed room is just incredible.
0: It's a remarkable exhibition of the craft, which is quite funny when you're showing somebody doing a bad job of it. I quite like the comparison, which I've only just kind of realized as you've said it there, the comparison between Todd's misreading a room resulting in some bad improv, and Bojack's resulting in like a career catastrophe. It's yeah. interesting, again, like those how those two characters and this, the things they do might be similar, but the outcomes obviously very different because of the consequences that follow as a result. I suggest that's probably not by accident. Um, but, yes, on Wanda's advice, Bojack does go speak to Diane there. He finds her lying to Mr. Peanut Butter over the phone about when she'll be leaving uh, Cordovia. Um, or just, you know, how she's getting on there, really. Um, which is our first, I think, full view. And we will get a bit more to Diane and Mr. Butter later on. But our full full view of the life that Diane is leading outside of just being, as you say, in a depressed state in Bojack's house. Um she kind of she goes a bit of a teenage daughter route with Bojack at first. There's always wonder, making you get rid of me, is she? Um, she leans into that herself. Um, but uh, in the process of uh, Bojack saying, "No, no, no, it's uh, I'm doing this too," she opens up to him. Uh, she simply says she's not the person she was. Um, despite confirming that she's the worst version of herself, she convinces him to skip work with her and hang out with her. She has gone to the trouble of telling him the exact person telling him the exact person he'll get if he wants to hang out with her and then he still chooses to hang out with her, chooses to just take a day off work. Um it is in her defence as well. From Bojack's assessment of the state of secretary at the moment, the state of this film, the way it's going off the rails, he would rather sit and day drink and watch Horsing Around than spend time uh, on that film set. Uh, We we get a hard cut here with a very harsh cutting remark from Diane. They're watching a scene from an episode to which Diane responds, Sabrina was such a little bitch! to which Bojack tries to respond that she was an orphan. (laughs) Wanda catches Bojack slumming it with Diane after a hard day at work. But he simply replies, Everything is garbage, so why bother doing everything?
2: Oh man. Like Diane managed to drag him into her pit with him is just and Bojack choosing that as well. I think there's never been a I mean, there's been a lot of them, but this is a really good example of two people who've just been chewed up and spat out by Hollywood, completely and utterly had their enthusiasm just drained out of them. Mm.
0: It's it's it is especially with Diane. It's really sad mm. to see. Um you see that she's telling, she's telling a lie to Mr. Butter, Yeah. And she's kind of living one herself. And we've always called her the truth of the show. And it's quite heartbreaking to watch her have this massive crisis of faith. You as a viewer share that crisis of faith with her. You see her, again, we often compare this to sitcoms and other comedies and other TV shows. Typically, the wonder character would be scripted to gather up all the sympathy from the viewer. But we all have too much stock in Diane at the moment and we know what she's been through. And that is, I think that's quite deftly handled because Wanda's not made a criminal in this at all. She's not made the villain of the piece. You can completely see her side of the side of things. But yeah, sympathy is too hard and too rock solid with Diane at this point to want necessarily than to actually come to the crisis point on it.
2: Yeah, it's tough as well, isn't it? Because it's one of our favourite characters in the show and yet they are deliberately forcing us to see her making bad decisions, which mm. is... Like it makes for good television for us, but it doesn't make it any less hurtful.
1: Yes.
0: Speaking of good television, we cut to later in the day where Bojack and Diana, drunk and high, and heckling Goober on an arrest. <laughs> Shut up, Goober. Go on, pick your shit up, Goober. Uh, Wanda is trying to work in the background. We see her just like flicking through some scripts, um, but just can't. With there uh, with them being there. Uh, Todd enters the scene again uh, in true improv style, trips and falls into something that Bojack and Diane have called Booking Can Palace, which is a giant stack of cans akin to the same stack of cans we all had when we were students at university or indeed living alone for the first time. Why did you keep every can and bottle? I don't know, but you made window displays out of them. Um, Diane bollocks Todd, clean up your Todd, as we see her gradually morphing into Bojack, having spent two days with him in the house. Um, Todd invites into his improv graduation show in a moment of, again, one of the moments of like earnest friendship that we see between the pair. Todd is looking towards Bojack as his best friend and almost like a father figure, much like he did with a rock opera in season one. It uh, gives Bojack, obviously, something to think about. Um, but in the meantime, and princess carolyn rings to tell bojack that the studio are going to sue him for breach of contract for missing work she says to him quite pointedly as he's of course sat there surrounded by cans and a bong and diane says remember you wanted this uh briefly as well i'll just touch on the fact that uh, when we do see him back on set we see abe making him repeat the line i'm tired of running in circles i'm tired of running in circles i'm tired of running in circles over and over and over again And those two things don't happen next to each other, but they're next to each other in BoJack's story in this episode. And I think it's interesting that it's that line that he has to repeat right after Princess Carolyn has kind of bollocked him back into the office by telling him, this is yours, remember? You wanted this.
2: He makes him say it so many times, but the the way that this is delivered by Will Arnett is wonderful as well. I mean, you expect nothing less, but by the time he does it, the fifth time, you watch the sort of it wears him down doesn't it he says the line he says the line he says the line by about the fourth time though he feels the line and then the fifth line is like you could almost if there was a light bulb a cartoon light bulb to go off in his head that's it that's the one the last one where he's like i'm tired of running I'm, I'm tired of running around in circles and he just he looks it as well they make him look through the animation through everything he looks worn out this horse needs to get out of the stable and he's had enough
0: and it's funny because that line is obviously used, again, every time that we cut to a scene in the Secretary film, it now makes no sense whatsoever. It's, it's devolved into a sitcom, it's devolved into a rom-com, it's devolved in Christ knows what. But in this particular case, he's proposing, he's saying, suggesting that he's tired of running around in circles with his romantic partner and he's wanting to propose to her. But that line, whether Abe the Catfish has meant it or not, is incredibly loyal to Secretary's story, yeah. the weathered racehorse tired of running around in circles. The one thing he gets him to repeat is the one thing that is ever so slightly loyal to the art even though Abe's only doing it to stop Bojack being loyal to art and going to New York to be in a play
2: As Abe himself will say I don't know what Secretariat did or didn't do <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, We're back at the house later on um, while <laughs> Bojack and Diana are pretty much back where they were and Wanda asks for a word uh, as he's leaving Diane does two sitcom heckles going, uh-oh, playing the loud live audience of an episode of Austin Around, knowing that he's going to get in trouble with Wanda. That's kind of how this is framed. She takes him into uh, their bedroom and she tells them that she's booked a trip just for the two of them, Santa Barbara, for the weekend. Um, they have to go alone. They have to get some couple time. They have to reconnect. Um, Again, if you've ever been in a position where you've been in the situation where you with your partner and a friend, you will be able to recognise what Wanda is trying to do. This is not particularly a dig at Diane, more as it is the fact that she feels like gradually she's lost her partner to this third person that has suddenly been dropped like a bombshell in their life. Um, Unfortunately, uh, the nice gesture immediately turns into a huge row uh, after Bojack really cruelly reduces Wanda's job to garbage and um, Bojack dares to suggest that he's stressed because of what's been going on the Secretariat set, where she says that she's stressed too. We've noticed all the way through the episode that Wanda is most annoyed because she's just trying to get some work done and Bojack and Diane's cracking on is making that difficult. But Bojack doesn't show her any respect. He just repeatedly uses the word garbage to say she's in a garbage job, a garbage profession, a garbage life, so on and so forth. Um, Wanda like, fires back. Uh, every good thing you have, every good thing that's happened to you happened because of networking execs like me. Bojack fires back to her, my life was ruined by a network executive like you. Uh, Wanda again says, I can't be around somebody that's fueled by bitterness and negativity. And then Bojack says, well then, dot, 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 what are you doing here? With another Mm -hmm. wonderful read of that line. Um, This rather tragically marks the end of Wanda and Bojack's relationship. Um, The next time we see Bojack, he goes out onto the balcony to speak to Diane Diane, quite frankly, asks him if it's because of her, but he owns it, and he says, no, it's because of him. He says, uh, but he just takes a minute to finally ask the question that he probably should have asked on day one to Diane of, why won't you go home? And she tells the story of how nice going home would be to go into her bed with her husband, to have a cuddle, to listen to Mr. Peanut Butter talk about his day, to not want to talk about her day, and that be okay, because for better and worse as is the case in marriage, that element of their relationship is so wonderfully simple, and she can't face that simplicity. She can't effectively face Mr. Peanutbutter's, like, endless kindness and supportiveness when she doesn't particularly want to be kind and support herself. She feels let down by what happened in Courtovia, and she's not ready to have somebody tell her that she's okay when she doesn't feel okay herself. Um, In her, again, a moment of weakness, she tries to probe Bojack a little bit for why he himself remains miserable and she says uh you know would the play in New York have made you happy and he said oh for a little bit and then she said well you know had it's still been directed by Kelsey everything going well would that you know would that have made you happy and again he says for a little bit and then reverting back to how she's been pretty much over the last five days in his house she says well then what does it matter and he says well there has to be more and then she asks the question rhetorically well when was the last time you were happy Um, But that rhetorical question, it being Bojack, is answered by the characters themselves doing rather than speaking. We are given uh, a closing montage that is really beautifully shot, really beautifully cut, really beautifully directed. It's Bojack driving in his car to where we don't know. Uh, We see a sad Wanda moving back in onto her mother's couch. Um, Todd doing a great job at the improv, looking over at what is an empty chair that was set for bojack we cut back to bojack in the car again we cut back to todd looking at a second empty chair again with the tease being that maybe he was going to, maybe he was going to the show but he wasn't we see a knock at the door at Wanda's mother's house has he gone back to Wanda? no it's a pizza delivery really really well teased out that this is the bojack is going to place a is he going to place b no he's going to place c and um, we see him going through an intersection a set of traffic lights um uh, before we find out where he's going, uh, Diane is telling Mr. Peanut Butter, and this one sucks, um, that she can't speak on the phone for a while. Um, not because she's at Bojax and she's struggling, just because she can't bear to speak to him anymore. She talks about how um, she makes an excuse, for the want of a better phrase, that like of why she can't speak on the phone, but it's nothing to do with the truth, implying that she's just going to hang out with Jackson in hiding rather than deal with the consequences of her actions. Um, We see Abe the Catfish pissed off on set again because Bojack is yet again blown off work. And he's blown off work, Nicholas, because he has arrived at Charlotte's shop in New Mexico. Out of nowhere, of course, the last time um, we saw Charlotte, it was to say to look, for Bojack to look her up if he was ever in New Mexico at Herb's funeral. Um, And he has thought about what made him happy, and it was clearly that moment. Um, He's learnt on his car. She sees a reflection of him in the window of her little gift shop that she's got in New Mexico. And uh, she greets him with a smile and end scene for Bojack, before we get onto the other characters, and I suppose how they wove themselves into that end sequence. That closing speech between, well, that closing breakup between um, Wanda and Bojack, that closing reconciliation between Bojack and Diane that hadn't really happened up until this point, and now the montage, the beautiful montage, the introduction of, the reintroduction of Charlotte, uh, an incredible way for this episode to end. A powerhouse of the last five minutes of a TV show.
2: Stunning. Really, really good. Uh, I think we are used to this show giving us a multitude of different versions of the rule of three. But for us to be given present Bojack's love interest and partner to, you know, call it off, they call it off, that all falls to pieces because ultimately he has made it that way. Yeah. through whatever situation he has owned it himself then we get a little whistle stop into bojack going one step back to the woman he thought he was in love with diane they sort that who's obviously at this point a very good friend uh they try to patch that out they have the conversation a wonderful bit of dialogue between those two the, the diving into when were you last happy really hits home doesn't it and that if anything you could argue is the sort of the um, catalyst for Bojack ultimately wanting to go and find that destination. What is the mm-hmm. destination for his happiness? And of course, as we know from season one, uh, the dream world was him and Charlotte. So packs up his bucket and off he goes to find the third love interest in his life, whether he knew it or not really, because funny, isn't it really with the Charlotte one? Cause she uh, calling her a love interest might be a stretch, but the, it's implied that something could have happened, but it never really did, did it? It's always been a fantasy and there's a friendship there but we remember how, how big the blow off was when they were at mm. Herb's funeral and he turned up with a whole world of thoughts in his head and Charlotte doesn't even live in Maine and yeah. wasn't even that arsed about staying to talk to him for that long because it was his fantasy, it wasn't hers.
0: He looks at his entire life based on the choice he made for it instead of for her. So in I think in his mind he has to believe that he made the right choice, otherwise what's all this been about? And for her not to even be in that picture that he imagined that she would be, sat there waiting for him, he was maybe thinking he could have a bit of both. He could have his cake and eat it too, and he can't. He's like he has to accept, at least up until this point when he's gone to find her down, chase her down in New Mexico, that she was allowed to think that that was just a memory of her time in LA. Just because she he happens to have thought about her on occasion, it doesn't mean that she's had to stop and think about him.
2: There's a reason why this run of three is so good, and this episode is the first part of teeing that up, isn't it? And this mm. moment where we find Bojack is now has gone back. He's gone back three part. I say partners, but the three women in his life, shall we say?
1: Mm.
2: minus Princess Carolyn, I guess. But we do get some interactions with her as well. So four, I guess, if you want to tally it all together, to where maybe it all could have started in Charlotte and all the possibilities that lie ahead
0: in just television terms as well it's like and we'll get we'll get onto the other characters in a second but it was a really great cliffhanger so yeah it was a genuinely thrilling cliffhanger because yes they have pulled back on the romantic like the romantic side of the bojack dying relationship after the awkward kiss we are to assume that Bojack and Princess Carolyn are keeping it professional, and I would just witness the breakup of his actual relationship. So it's immediately fascinating, an a television point of view, to see where they're going to go next with that particular storyline, because they've already put so much stock, at least from Bojack's side, in what Charlotte meant to him all those years ago. But people will have to wait for that next week, won't they? They will, oh, yeah. they certainly will. We're on to Todd's little story with improv in this episode. Uh, a terrific B plot, obviously a commentary as much on cults and on Scientology and everything like that. But he's com- the fact that he's completely wowed. Oh my by God. Definitely,
2: not definitely not about Scientology. Definitely not about Scientology. Definitely not about Scientology. This is definitely about improv.
0: All about improv. Um, sorry, that was just one. Of, that was one of my improvs. That was all it was. Um, <laughs> it's quite funny because he's wowed by improv, and typically. They're wowed by him. Everyone is wowed by Todd, except one of the group, Brian, who (laughs) specifically states that he hasn't won him over yet. Um, He's very, very cynical, very, very tough to please, almost takes the art form a touch too seriously. Um, Todd is given the the three rules of improv. Uh, He's told you don't ask questions, you don't say no, music suddenly goes serious. No matter what, you don't say no. (laughs) And then he says, when someone in the crowd makes suggestions, you always try and build on it. And, of course, the famous improv phrase, yes, and, which is, of course, the title of this episode, it's that one little improv trick. In itself, feels like a hack. Improv trick, doesn't it? We know enough from seeing improv in other TV shows or if you've ever done improvisation yourself, that it's kind of improv 101. You've got to say yes and because you've got to keep the ball moving. You've got to keep the story going. But Todd, like everything else, just has his mind blown by the very idea because it opens up his imagination. Um he's told during his first class that his first class is $200. Todd notes, I thought you said it was free. And he says, that was just me doing an improv. So he's already on the hook for $200 and it would surely be more.
1: and airbnb your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com slash host
0: we later see them hanging out in their local bar and sat in the corner is shenanigans founder copernicus He's a cat, and he's positioned as the great leader, as I believe Todd has referred to him earlier in the episode, because this is about improv and nothing else. Um, There is a, I want to say, cult-like peer pressure on Todd to go and, in their words, improv, used as a verb, improv a stranger in the bar. This is about improv. Uh, He, yes ands an old lady, (laughs) into making her think her friend Doris has exploded. And these dicks think he's amazing for it, which is... A perfect way to let us know exactly if we didn't already what we should be thinking of his characters uh there's a lovely line where brian's leaving with a pub where he says i like you for now uh, because because he's improbbed this woman so hard Um, there's a lot going on with that because there's i think there's two opposing forces uh there's definitely not a cult we can't stress that enough and there's also a, a group of i want to say male male friends pressuring another male friend to go and hit on a woman. It just happens that in this case, it's an old lady waiting for a friend, Doris, who was exploded. But there are both of them, because especially because he's setting of a bar, like I felt that the comparison there was sort of implied that similar kind of peer pressure to Todd. He's found a new group of people. He thinks he's found his kind. And then they're making him do something that he's quite uncomfortable to do. Go and improv that woman. You know, that's quite threatening. That's quite toxic.
2: Yeah. Um, the toxic side of it's definitely there. 100%. But I think, They break that slightly into more of like teenage kids running around because the way they act, Todd barely even gets a couple of lines of quote-unquote improv. I'm not giving them this. (laughs) (laughs) Basically tells a woman her her friend Doris has exploded, to which this woman is obviously very upset. But before he's barely even finished the line, the gang have run towards this woman. It reminded me of like when people used to happy slap people. Like (laughs) they've gone they've gone tearing towards this woman and just like you got improved. Like is it just just read like like Ashton Kutcher's about to pop out and say, You've been punked. Like they've got one over this woman and they all go running off like they've just done some mad crime and they're trying to get away with it. As you say, Brian Utter and I respect you a little bit now, whatever he says. (laughs) Like this this is a listen, this world is full of hack men, Michael, and once again hack men are
0: running the show yeah yeah it's um it doesn't get much better um as we say todd is they're all they're kind of the the build-up and the payoff for this particular episode is him doing the big show that bojack doesn't turn up to but the last moment we get in terms of dialogue is with todd back at shenanigans turns back up uh, brian his rival is not there because we're told he's been too negative and sent to the giggle ship because we had <laughs> talking about improv and nothing else and this
2: is not a cult
0: todd asks if they're a cult and like they gaslight him in quite a culty way, but that plot, now that we have finished talking about it, was definitely about improv. Yes,
2: a hundred percent about improv, and at no point was it ever about a cult.
0: Not at all. Not at all. No. And I, quite frankly, would like to go on the giggle ship. Sounds really yes. fun. Sounds surely, lovely. It's nothing but jokes. I um, think Ryan's having a great time right now. Isn't <laughs> it? I hope so. He looks like he's desperately in need of one. He does. Like that. I needs to chill out and cheer up. Um, a little bit on Diane, um, that we haven't already touched on in the uh in the main plot. Uh, Mr. Peter, Butter, yes, and um, Mr. Peter, but calls Diane to talk about how amazing he thinks she is, which is obviously in stark contrast to the fact that she's lying about being at Bojack's house, lying about being back from Cordova not telling him why. Um, just it's a constant effort for her jumping over obstacles to avoid telling the truth of why she isn't where she isn't, including a, a typical pressure akin to when Mr. Peanut Butter insisted that Princess Carolyn kept telling stories at her because of his funeral, he does this here where he insists to speak to a child in war-torn Cordelia, <laughs> even if they can't hear or see. So Diane has to put on, has to make up a name. She looks around at all of bojack's uh, kitchen white goods they've all got these strange names from the foreign lands with which those products are built and she looks at the coffee maker and says coffee maker so <laughs> peanut, butter, peanut butter bites immediately ah hello coffee Makia. am i saying that right <laughs> he will buy absolutely and then he's being thrown a ball and he's fetching it isn't he? he's a dog yeah. um he's a good boy He's just <laughs> is my favourite gag in the whole episode came from another one of these phone calls when he's bragging to one of his colleagues. He's telling Diane that he's bragging to one of his colleagues about how great his wife is. He says, uh, you want to hear about this other guy's wife? She works with at-risk teens. But I said to him, compared to my wife, your wife is bullshit," <laughs> <laughs> Which piles guilt on top of guilt on top of guilt for Diane before oh. people that well, then adds. And he had to agree because I'm his boss. <laughs> I'm his
2: boss. I'm sorry, right? But I'll I'll interject here with a little bit of detail in myself because one excellent layer on top of this is that while this conversation is happening, the literal sound guy is working next to pe <laughs> he is one foot away from peanut butter. And just keep an eye on him when this happens. Because when he's <laughs> When he says, and he has to do this because he works for me, he like looks up from what he's doing at Peanut Butter as to say, "Like, come on, man! <laughs> like, he's the most disgruntled man ever, and he's just got to take it." And this is a, the one time maybe in this entire show where Mister Peanut Butter, who's a good boy, yes he is, yes he is, is actually a very bad dog.
0: They're, they've touched on obviously the marriage being in trouble between. Mr. Peanutbutt and Diane. But I think there's a little bit of symmetry between how they are reacting to other people because they're never as angry when they're together as when they're apart. Diane, like, call, just screaming at Goober and calling Sarah Lynn a bitch on her horse and her own. Your wife is bullshit. <laughs> Unbelievable. Um, I don't know how they had time to fit this in, but there's a little bit of plot for Princess Carolyn. Um, yeah she's in her office uh Rita baker bursts in uh they start kissing because obviously they're in the first flushes of their romantic storyline but it all stops pretty quickly when he notes that he's registered the agency in princess carolyn's name isn't that convenient apparently his ex-wife's divorce lawyers are watching him like a hawk uh, because he then starts talking about how many of them might literally be hawk um he notes that he's not going to leave you holding the bag Feels like there's a narrator telling me he's going to leave a hole in the bag, Nicholas. But anyway, before the Mister Peanut Butter turns up and is a complete idiot, but they also again that's say it, they—it's more her. She secures uh, Peanut Butter for the agency, which uh, obviously, having presumably secured Bojack for that, suggests that she's already got two clients for a name that her business that, is, that for a business that her name is against that he has pressured her into. So not a lot for Princess Caroline, but all of it extremely significant. Ultimately.
2: He's put the entire business, all of the gamble and the pressure that comes with this. He's wandered in. He's got everything he wanted, including the, the girl, if you like. And on top of that, Princess Carolyn has spent all of her day trying to put pieces together for this. Maybe more than one day. And ultimately, you just can't help but get that feeling that she's done a lot here, Carolyn. And yeah. some thick man is getting away with it again by just making her do all the graft while he does all the other stuff
0: yeah but you know compared to Princess Carolyn Rudy Baker's ex-wife Katie is bullshit she
1: is bullshit <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. oh god man that is such a good gag I can't tell you how much I laughed at that and for some reason I've never picked up on that either I've never <laughs> cottoned out on that that much um, is that you then is that
0: you that is us for another week oh, I feel progressively more tired as the season goes on at the end of those reviews because Bojack is making, like everybody else he comes into contact with, my life harder by trying to unpick all the terrible decisions he continues to make.
2: And if anything, there's one thing we can guarantee with this podcast, is that Bojack will have made some terrible decisions He's <laughs> make him somehow more of a piece
0: of shit than he was the last time. Which... That's, like, that's like the spoiler that isn't the spoiler, isn't it? We keep things spoiler-free. That's the one that doesn't could, feel like a spoiler anymore.
2: We could put that in the podcast horseman bio, and I think that would be... <laughs> You know, that would help a lot, really, to uh, prepare people. But in case you were feeling a bit doom and gloom, and maybe the Bojack is a piece of shit and you'd like to sort that out, let's go and do the part of the show we call Horsin' Around, where we go back through the episode and find all of the, the sort of hidden meanings behind things, the missing details, the tiny little easter eggs throughout the episode, and maybe some of them will give you a giggle, some of them will wow you with their brilliance. Let's go all the way back to the very beginning. Bojack's house. We were on the deck of Bojack's house but before we got there you will notice again Michael the baboon is still of course running because running is something you have to do every day it's it's hard but you got to do it every single day
0: and it's brilliant isn't it Running is wonderful let's get that on record
2: yeah runners run Michael and it's brilliant only real runners run and even in this though I didn't just this might be me reading it thanks Michael but have they even used him to suggest the direction the episode's going, because which way is he running in this episode? He's running downhill. Because
0: ah, very nice. Because
2: he's about to go downhill. Yeah. Diane, of course, on the balcony, is wearing a, a dressing gown, but she's also wearing a T-shirt. The T-shirt you will recognise from season one, season two, episode four, I should say. She's wearing the shirt that says, I had a ball at Diane's 35th birthday, of course, in reference to the shirt The peanut butter got a Made an entire ball pit, basically. Just... <laughs> Um, there's also a brilliant little quick thing here. It's kind of funny, but also kind of sad because as Diane, as you mentioned, screams when she wakes up, she goes, "Oh!" She doesn't just scream; she shouts, "Ah, Kinko!" at the top of her voice. Mm-hmm. This, is of course, in reference to the young boy who was in Cordovia who got absolutely obliterated by the bombings. So you can tell she's not quite well. She is having a slump. Maybe there's a bit of PTSD going on here. Diane mm-hmm. is not particularly in a great place.
0: From spending um, just weeks in a war-torn country weeks. as well. Yeah.
2: yeah, We go to MBN Studio next. And, Michael, I think I found out the answer to a question from last week. The orangutan in the blue jeans who has turned up in quite a few episodes now. Uh, it turns out he might just be a grafter because you can see the grafter in the rafters who he's hanging there with a, a like a little spanner, and he's working on helping build the set of um, Hollywood stars, celebrities, what do they know? Do they know things? Let's find out. Or what was the abbreviation again? Sorry.
0: Uh yes, and I couldn't possibly tell you and ruin it for everybody else, but <laughs> it's really <laughs> good.
2: Yeah, yeah tell you what, don't, don't, don't spoil it, David. We'll <laughs> I also thought just a quick thing to note from in that place that Todd has reached the point where he decided to wander in and call J.D. Salinger by his birth name, Jerome. <laughs> Jerome. <laughs> So good, like they're on first name terms, and they absolutely aren't. And uh, we go back to the streets, though, where Todd is sulking around after obviously missing out on a job with his good project. <laughs> uh, we see the sign for shenanigans, and the things that are on the wall for what they do with shenanigans are quite interesting. We've got a little bit of a space work 101, Michael. I guess you can figure it out. Is that spatial awareness, or is that the actual space that's across outside the world? Who knows? This is improv, Michael. Anything is possible. They also Mm. have a a show seminar Sorry for making Facebook invites. (laughs) (laughs) It lasts 12 till 3, so a three-hour stint on that, which is always interesting. They've also got another fascinating exploration into mouth noise, Michael, which (laughs) sounds great to me, but not quite as good as what the final thing on the board is, which is Zip Zap Zop Symposium, which I don't know what it is, but it lasts for five hours, and I bet they're all terrible. (laughs) We do, however, have a little change to the opening credits this week, Michael. You may have picked up on it. I don't know if you did. But because, obviously, Kelsey has been fired from the set of Secretariats, so as you go through our usual credits routine, you will notice she's been replaced in the credits by Abe de Catfish, who is now talking with Lenny Turtletop and having that bottle of water that makes me feel sick on every (laughs) level. (laughs) MMM Studios on the set of Secretariat. And a couple of other ones, yeah. As you mentioned, uh, Secretary's talking to a bunch of youths, isn't he, at the start of that set. One of them just happens to be a dog, and that dog is a bit of a gangbanger. He's got a vest on, he's got some tattoos, and the big tattoo he's got across his middle just says, beware of me, because my- <laughs> it's a dog. Beware he's of the dog. dog. And I mean, he's a dog. It's, it's, sometimes it's not that subtle. All right. <laughs> sometimes sometimes it's on the money, or on the dog in this case. <laughs> uh, Abe is drinking a water bottle, you'll see, throughout the episodes. He was drinking it last week, he's drinking it again this week, and it says, and I'm definitely going to butcher this pronunciation, but it says, Pessi Gatto," which is, of course, Italian for catfish, Michael. Oh, great. Lovely stuff. That, because lovely. I don't know if you spotted it, Michael, but it's Abe the Catfish, Is Abe the Catfish. Hey, eh? a lot time of time for that. Oh, sometimes it's not that subtle. Um, I did also find a tiny little bit of trivia, nothing really to do with something you might have missed, but um, you know the girl who always is on set wearing the vintage rock band T-shirt? She's Mm. always there. She's part of the crew. For whatever reason, they just couldn't be bothered to animate her in a different direction. So they've just flipped her. Uh, They've mirrored the little graphic that they would use for her. So her T-shirt is back to front in Ah. the episode. Uh, Just randomly. You'll notice her in the background when uh, Bojack and Abe are having a conversation together. Mm. Just a little thing. I thought, I've noticed, sorry guys, didn't want to rub the shine off the episode but sometimes <laughs> also I just think it feels worth noting that Deborah finally shows us her brand new face Michael which rather comically, she's been given a tanned skin over the top of her very pink skin which I thought yeah. was interesting very strange indeed no real significance but you will remember she had a face burned off in uh, season 2 episode 1 I believe it was where Diane didn't sort out the cable <laughs> uh, we-, we go across the shenanigans Gags where Todd is working out uh, with his new friends, but just outside, before we go in, a couple of gags you'll get throughout the episode with this. There's a woman and a daughter, and uh, and the daughter's in a pram. It's the same woman that Bojack has stolen the pram from twice now. You'll remember he's pinched that yes, pram in course. season one and two. I should she, know to
0: look for that now. Whenever you, you see a know to look for baby. It. yeah.
2: But she's outside talking to another mother who happens to be a bird who has in her pram, Michael, an egg. And while that conversation's <laughs> yeah. happening, the egg hatches and a baby bird comes out of the egg, which is. Yes. Oh, it of keeps everybody up, but it's okay because it's it's motherhood. It's happening hmm. on the streets. There is also post posters on the walls of shenanigans for all of the things that perhaps they are doing over there. A couple of their world renowned performances. Perhaps one of them is called Fart Police. <laughs> I thought was quite good. There's another one that is called My Dinner with Undies. <laughs> <laughs> With. It was brilliant. There's also a warning on there for anybody who might be sensitive, it just says trigger warning and spoiler alert at the bottom. But then, also, top by on the door, there's a sign for the ever more popular Michael Yeezy kablezy which just oh. keeps keeps getting itself out there a little bit further. And of
0: wishes it could be Yeezy Cableasy, isn't it? If
2: only it could be, Michael. <laughs> if only it could be. But we also get the return of our good friend, the flannel shade and flat cap man, who apparently who we, I think the last time we might have seen him was when he fell down the hall at Halloween in January. Yes, yeah. And apparently he hasn't broke every bone in his body or he heals really quickly because he's there as part of the group in shenanigans because he seems like the kind of guy who could be uh, susceptible to that sort of mm-hmm. thing. Not that I'm saying it's a clan, Michael. It's definitely not a clan. Um, we go back to Bojack's house. Just a quick one here. Uh, things Diane's eating, which we'll get onto more of these things in a second. But Diane is eating slender wheats, Michael, with a nice helping of cheesy squirt.
0: I did (laughs) see that cheesy squirt and I wanted some.
2: (laughs) Just brilliant. As you build a little power out of these things. We go to MBN Studio and I tell you what, you've kind of taken this one already. So I won't dive into it, but the sound guy gag is just That's superb. That is terrific. It's beyond good. And I'm just you know what it is, I am gonna go there. His wife works with at-risk teens. And I was like, yeah, that's okay. But compared to what my wife is doing, your wife is bullshit. <laughs> and he had to agree with me because I'm his boss. And I can't tell you how good the sound guy looking at but uh, Mr. Peanut butter in that moment is. Please do go back and watch that. I'm going to watch that
0: back myself. That's terrific. But
2: even better, though, is that when he says he wants to put the kid on the phone so someone else can hear the kids who Diane's working with, the uh, person who comes up to Mister Peanut Butter is, of course, I believe she was called Veronica. She was in season two, episode eight. She was the poor bird who kept getting whacked by the doors mm. by BoJack and then by Wanda. She's the PA who was definitely underpaid and overworked, or just hit by doors too many times. Like <laughs> side back in BoJack's house, just thought these were quite funny, uh, as you alluded to the appliances in his house when Diane's trying to come up with the name, the fake name. We've got um, so a bottle of Evian water, not Evian water, nice little mm-hmm. player there. There's also a sk- skonf blender, which <laughs> I tried my best to do the homework on this. The best I could find was a storm blender, which you get them ninja storm blenders, which I assume okay. that might be a little take on that. Although skonf is made to look like some sort of Norwegian, Danish, um, yeah. sort of Icelandic word maybe. It's got that little O with the cross too.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, but also the most interesting out of all of them, which of course Diane ends up using, Coffee maker she uses for that. The brand on that is Biatelli. Now that is if you swap the letters round, is a play on the name Bialetti. And Bialetti is the name of Alfonso Bialetti, who is, of course, the inventor of the mocha pot, which is the thing that you would see right there. Mocha pots, of course, being those those Italian coffee pots you see that you put on stoves, a little mm. handles. Like that. good catch. It's a little bit of it well, we do try our best mm. over here. It's almost like people are relying on some good <laughs> this section. Uh, we go over to Bates Bar and Tavern, Michael. You might not even remember you were there, to be honest, but um, what you will have noticed, if you were paying attention, was outside the same mother and daughter combination that we got from earlier, the egg has now hatched. We now have a little baby bird and the same mother and daughter who Bojack stole the pram from. They're out there talking this time. Only this time, the little new baby bird is quite hungry because it's a new baby bird. So, of course, the mother just vomits the food into her baby mouth, <laughs> like all good birds. And Inside, of course, we had that hilarious Doris gag. I won't get into that, but you saw it, Michael. It's wonderful. Do go and watch that again Mm -hmm. if you're up for a good time. Uh, We go to Abe's house. Now, on Abe's wall in the background, you will have seen there's a picture of a naked shark. It's like a fancy painting on the wall, which is inspired by the real-life painting by Edouard Manet, and it is the painting called Olympia, where it's a very similar setup of a person lying nude across a bench and someone else just looking on there. But also, Abe mentions... (laughs) Abe mentions Emeril Lagasse when he's talking. If you remember right, he says, it's the guy, he used to say, bam. That was the gag. he used to say, bam. Well, Emeril Lagasse, if you listen carefully in the episode, Wanda says, I don't know who that guy is, but I love the sound of him. Should I give him a sitcom? Well, bad news, Wanda, because he's actually talking about Emeril Emerald Lagasse, who was a real life chef who was known for this bam gag, but also he did in fact already have a sitcom that came out in 2001 that was simply called emerald so unfortunately ah. that has been beaten to the punch and apparently not a good sitcom because it only lasted for a year and three of the episodes did not make air out of 10 <laughs> so there you go you go to bojack's house and just a... i need to emphasize these are todd's words not my words but i have to do this because it was brilliant and had me laughing so hard todd with his improv stumbles across nazi kardashians michael <laughs> to which he part to which he says Hi, Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> so we had this sort of merging of a Kardashian high and a Hitler hail, so that was that was great. Something, um, we go across. He, he to... takes
0: no introduction to get there as well. Like, this was not taking a suggestion, we're not that far removed from far powered cars stopping at <laughs> the lights.
2: Todd just got there all by himself, and I don't even want to spend five minutes in his brain because <laughs> who knows what we look cover. Uh, we go across to the Vigor offices, and I just love this. Um, tiny little gag between Mr. Peanut Butter and Princess Carolyn. Of course, Carolyn's trying to get Peanut Butter to join her uh, agency with the start a new one, and Peanut Butter says, "Well, well, well, what delicious irony! It appears the cat is chasing the dog." <laughs> <laughs> um, we go back to Bojack's house. Now we got some good stuff here, Michael. Some interesting stuff. You will have noticed throughout the episode. That there was cans of beer around the house. That was book beer, were not you? That's the mm. which was funny enough because obviously book being like a horse book beer. I thought that was quite entertaining. But did they just call it book beer purely, Michael? So we could get booking can palace gag that they do here, where they make the entire nice. the entire box of or the collection of beer cans is booking can palace. But not only that, because as you noticed throughout the episode, they make a few more and they take us on a little tour. Of a few more of the modern wonders of the world. There's also a statue of Liberty in the background. There's also an Eiffel Tower in the other background, other side of the background. And of course, we get two little pyramids that are because <laughs> Diane mentions about crypts, etc. So four of the modern, the modern, uh, modern yes. wonders of the world. There, Michael. If they've been left long enough, I'm sure the others would have come in yeah. fairly swiftly. We go across to Mr. Peanut Butter's house, and this is quite cute, actually. Peanut Butter's in bed when Diane calls him, and he's reading a book, Michael. Not just any book, though. He's reading The Catcher in the Rye, which, of course, is him trying to do his homework Mm -hmm. on his relationship with... or to further his relationship with J.D. Salinger. But apparently not that much, because he's not just reading The Catcher in the Rye, he's reading the Cliff Notes. (laughs) (laughs) Because he can't be bothered. But what you will notice is, if you were paying attention, the painting in the background behind Mr. Peanut Butter on the wall, we've seen it plenty of times, But it's still slightly off, and it's got a bit of a hole in it, Michael. If you remember rightly, those are the damage marks that came from Becca the Chicken in Season 2, Episode 5. Chickens, for anybody who's forgotten. How could you forget that powerhouse of an episode? Poultry in motion as it was. And (laughs) genuinely, this is brilliant. The attention to detail here to keep the marks on the paint. And of course, we should expect nothing less but wonderful stuff indeed. Michael, that is it for horsing Around this week. (laughs) some little good ones in there but quite a quick one i have to say in terms of horsing around it felt quick when i was doing it and it felt even quicker when i was reading it out maybe not for you listeners at home but (laughs) we do still have enough time as always for one last thing and then i swear to god i'll shut up about this podcast forever honestly my neighbors i promise we're nearly done (laughs) um michael would you like to go first this week
0: yes i will do um it's only a brief one one week
2: you're gonna say no you know one of these weeks he's gonna say no
0: well, again, I'm, yes, I'm and yeah. you know, i just yes, I was <laughs> just uh, to never say no to a question. Very good. We've sort of touched on it in the plot a little bit, and it goes into detail a little bit more in Bojack's disinterest in it. But I thought it was quite interesting about just how much, by the point at which he's having dinner, basically, with Abe the Catfish, that Bojack has given up on Secretariat. Mm. For him to accept it as a piece of shit, as he calls it, um, and no longer a good movie, Kelsey's left you know, all those things aside, as the reasons why it's gone bad, it remains happening nonetheless. And I thought that in itself was a bit of a reveal into the Hollywood process, the real Hollywood process. Yeah. There are actors that do films or there are make films or directors that make films. There are films that come out sometimes and you're kind of left scratching your head and your faith is shaken in whether it be the star or whether it be the director or whoever involved in it that you particularly care about as to why you watch that film. And you start there like thinking, what the hell was that? How has that happened? And we're watching it. We're watching how it's happened. Okay. Ignore that it's a horse and a catfish and everything else about this. What we're watching is how things can go off the rails and an actor can just think, well, I need to make money. Like Bojack's intent was to get this film out of the way so we could go and do a play. And a month earlier, it was the most important thing that could have ever happened to him in his life and career. Like Princess Carolyn touches on it, saying that like this was what he wanted, but it has moved so far away from what he wanted that he can't even recognise it anymore. And it just made me pause and think a lot on how many times that must have happened to actors or directors or anybody because of, as he kind of relates to later in the episode, because of those studio execs or because of whatever, the countless ways that these things can be influenced. Um, I don't imagine that I'll be so kind to the next film I hate that I expected to love, but I just thought it was there for a bit of pause for thought on when that happens for real.
2: Genuinely, this is a reason why a lot of films I watch or TV shows, indeed, where things go off the rails a bit, or you can kind of think, why is this happening in this show? That's this is something I always think about because we, I mean, not to the extent that we work in film production or anything, but we do work in the creative industries to a certain mm-hmm. extent. And it's like we've all had that. Sometimes yeah. you've got such a passion about something, but you have to divide, um, ultimately, the work side of things and the passion side of things that sometimes they don't marry together. And that's mm-hmm. not normally anybody's fault sometimes it's a deadline thing sometimes it's a time thing sometimes it's just ultimately that what you thought you wanted it doesn't end up becoming what it should be but as you see yeah Bojack has it beaten out of him in Hollywood by um, a bunch of different reasons the director he wanted if he's gone from having this amazing moment where he's got a, a, a scene they shouldn't have even really had, he's managed to get for free to beat the budget requirements that he thinks is a good thing and that has ended up putting a nail in the coffin of his yeah. of, of his film. And if you just think back to Bojack's St. Carolyn, pretty much, if I don't do Secretariat now, what was the point? What was the point in all of this? And now he's at a point where he's sitting at a table with a catfish basically telling him that, yeah, let's just get this over and done with so I am going to do a play that I didn't even know I was going to do that apparently now I care about more than this because sometimes, Michael, maybe Bojack isn't actually wanting to do things. He's just looking for that next destination of happiness, which ultimately ties into the finish of the episode, I think we can see. He is responsible for something else in this episode, Michael, and I very kindly asked you to forego because I know a lot of people were probably screaming earlier going, I can't (laughs) believe Michael Hanfler hasn't mentioned this incredible line of dialogue that happened during the Bojack and Wanda fight and the breakup. well, that's because he's very kindly given it to me as my one last thing for this week. Because we've all been in those relationships, haven't we, where Mm -hmm. you get so caught up in it and everyone's wearing the rose-tinted or rose-coloured glasses, as they mentioned in this episode. And I just thought the line of dialogue from Wanda is absolutely brilliant. Off the back of Bojack already looking like he's had a home run when it comes to dialogue in this, um, basically by saying... The same thing has happened that always happens. You didn't know me. You fell in love with me. And then you got to know me. And that he basically says that that's the thing. He's the thing that ruins it all. Just flashbacks to him telling a very a very thoughtful and listening uh, Vincent Adultman there during some intense counselling about how he has a hole in him and that all the goodness keeps leaking out of him no matter what he does until there's nothing left. Just keep that in mind here. But on top of that... This isn't a surprise. If you've been watching this episode, uh, this season so far, Bojack has gone through, from the moment they moved in together, Bojack has there's been a steady decline. After the
0: mm.
2: uh, autoerotic asphyxiation episode, there's been a steady decline of
0: Bojack. <laughs> it's not always the way.
2: It's not always the way, I have to say. <laughs> but, you know, Sometimes when you're doing the uh, one hand on the Adam's apple, one hand on the Adam's banana, things can get <laughs> a bit intense. They can get a bit intense. But why did, why are
0: you speaking the third person there?
2: Well, listen, that's for, that's for a whole other podcast, that. Um, but brilliantly Wanda manages to summarise this because there's so many things happen that are indeed red flags throughout this episode and season and she kind of just lets them go she lets them go but in this brilliant line of dialogue she says to Bojack you know what's funny when you look at someone through rose coloured glasses all the red flags just look like flags and that is genuinely one of my favourite lines in this show I think overall um, it's, it's brilliant this line
0: This is me not earning my keep on this podcast. This is going to sound like a very stupid bit of analysis. I can't believe that in 2015, when this episode was made, somebody invented those words in that order. We feel as if we're past the point where anything profound can be said or written down anymore, brand new. It just, it doesn't feel like we're in that era. You know, we watch a TV show, we review it that deals with the fact that content is king, or yeah. everything is being rushed, or nothing matters. And from an industry that is so guilty of that someone has produced that. It's, oh, magical. It's, it's absolutely magical. It's remarkable. It's remarkable that somebody formed that sentence.
2: Genuinely. It's a testament. I would love to know specifically who, just so I can tweet mm. them. I'll just say thank you, because honestly, that line of dialogue is it. We use the phrase powerhouse a lot, I've noticed, because I do edit every one of these podcasts. (laughs) We say it a lot, but it's no less true. And genuinely, this is a powerhouse of a line in this episode. Um, It sums it up quite nicely and sums up not just this relationship, but quite a few, I would imagine, across the board.
0: How do you nail something that every single one of your viewers can relate to that feels coherent to the plot, that feels the most profound thing a character can say when that's who she's being cast as in this particular episode. The wise owl continues to share her wisdom, effectively. It's just, yeah, it's art. It's it's the purest distilled version of the art within the art.
2: Honestly, I wouldn't even be mad if someone in the writer's room before this season had even started, had that line, and mm-hmm. that's the only reason why Wanda exists as a character. Like, yeah, I wouldn't even be angry at that. That's how good that line is. I would go back and write an entire plot, nine episodes, ten episodes of plot, whatever it is, I would write that just for that line. It's that good. That's your end point. How do you get to that end point? And it's such a brilliant way to do it. And I just thought, it it, it's a, it knocks your socks off. I remember messaging you about this. I've messaged you about it. it must have been my second or third uh, rewatch. And I was like, this line, man, how did I not see this line? Because obviously you're taking so much in. But that is just... It. I have... Wax lyrical now about this for way too long, but it really is that good, um, and we are always blown away by the quality writing on this show. However, let's quickly do our shill for the week in some less inspiring words, I'd imagine.
0: <laughs> From the sublime to the ridiculous.
2: Yes, of course. Because <laughs> it's funny, sometimes when you look through blue-coloured glasses, all the verified ticks on Twitter look just like ticks. I sometimes, don't know.
0: Sometimes when I look at the wall that I'm staring at right now, All the plugs just look like plugs.
2: (laughs) Very good. All right, that's better than mine. I'll let you have that one. But yeah, here's a plug. Go and follow us, Podcast Horseman, at Podcast Horseman on Twitter and Instagram. You can find us there. Please do send us a tweet. Ask us your questions. Had some lovely interactions recently Mm. with people at the show. We have loads of time for it, so please... If you have any queries, any questions, any cool theories, whatever you want to do, of course, remember, it is spoiler-free. We don't want to spoil things for anybody else. So we will only be able to answer things that are up to where we are on the show at this point. But please do. I've loved that so far. It's been great. And continue that, please. Or if you'd just like to bother either myself or Mr. Michael Hamlet over there, you can do on Twitter at It's Adam Nicholas for me. Or you can follow Michael Hamlet
0: at Michael Hamford. Um, you can subscribe along with the podcast on Apple Podcasts. You can follow on Spotify. You can listen on Acast. You can listen on Stitchy. Anywhere you get your podcast, you all know this by now. You can even find the podcast as an embedded tweet every Friday on through your Acast or Twitter apps. Um, and you can leave us a five-star review. We would love it if you did. Um, as they say on every single podcast you've ever heard, five-star reviews, subscriptions really help get you up you know, the iTunes charts, helps more people find us, helps more people download it, basically helps more people talk themselves horse about this talking horse. And we've got a piece of feedback today from Chris 97 from Australia. Thank you very much. And then you all the way from Australia into Hollywood Talk of Fame. He's Done a particular title here that relates to our other life so i'm going to try and get the voice right here the title of this feedback is hmm a little bit of the horsey it's all right if you don't know who that was an impression of nobody watches that guy um but he said in the feedback thank you very much that chris 97 check the ratings the numbers check out love bojack uh but love listening to these two blokes taught themselves horse about the talking horse Perfect podcast to listen to as I'm re-watching the show for a third time and still discovering little jokes or background gags that I'd never noticed before. Thanks for the podcast, lads, and keep up the hard work. Thank you very much, Chris97, for that feedback. Love hearing people's stories of watching it for the third, fourth, fifth, whatever time, especially if you listen along with us. As we've probably made it quite clear now, it's a labour of love for us to do this podcast because it means we get to watch every episode all over again. So we're glad that you are sharing that with us.
2: It is indeed. And I'm sure a lot of the people who know us from wrestling content, I think, Michael, that you are the Judas in their mind right about now. <laughs> However, let's get more into your mind with this week's synopsis for next week's episode of Podcast Horseman. Go on, you've got something to say quickly. I'll let you go on.
0: Nothing Nothing. all. So we're not a spoiler free podcast. But I've been so excited for the next episode, and I can't say why, for seven more days, that I found myself getting excited about your read of the synopsis.
2: Oh, good. Because I have to say, I gave you an endorsement last week, and I meant it. These are three brilliant episodes. This is the very beginning. This is the beginning of a journey, this, that we get in this episode. And the next two, my good Lord, they are worth just every moment of your time I realise I'm talking them up, but I feel like I will guarantee that I can deliver on that promise with these episodes. So, season two, episode 11. Oh, I'm excited just reading the title. <laughs> es- Escape from LA. Bojack goes on a road trip to visit an old friend and gets a taste of existence outside the Hollywood bubble. Interesting it's called Hollywood in that synopsis there.
1: Is ah, that a typo? I think
2: they might on
0: Netflix. I wonder if they've got like I wonder if they got Max or something in the auto correct. Let's give them the benefit of the doubt. Like there the guys is. at Netflix, they've given us this show. We can give them the benefit of the doubt this one time. If we see another Hollywood, we're going to pick it up. We will be getting in touch with Netflix. Or it's by design. And when we get RBW on the finale, I'll ask him if it was supposed to Hollywood on purpose. Yep. And with
2: uh. that note that we can never, ever deliver on, and I look forward again to Michael Hampler having to pretend to be <laughs> Raphael Bob Waxberg for the entirety of the final episode of this show. As always... I have been Adam Nicholas. I've been Raphael Bobwaxberg's best friend Michael Humphlet. And he will be Raphael Bo in the future, and this has been Podcast Horseman
1: Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Need new glasses or want a fresh new style? Warby Parker has you covered. Glasses start at just 95 bucks, including anti-reflective, scratch-resistant prescription lenses that block 100% of UV rays.